Hey, it's Ryan Doyle from TDR's Guaranteed Money. With the odds swirling everywhere, who will land NBA superstar Kevin Durant? UCLA and USC moving to the Big Ten, the business ramifications of all of that, and just how big is sports betting going to get in the next couple of years? You won't believe the number. We discuss as Guaranteed Money gets rolled. And welcome to Guaranteed Money. I am Ryan Doyle. All views in the Guaranteed Money podcast and the guests in this podcast are purely opinion. You should not treat any opinions expressed by us or our guests as investment advice. And the views in this podcast are solely intended to be informational and are not investment advice. The man across from me is millennial entrepreneur Anthony Vero. Good to see you, sir. Good to see you as well. Nice, uh, nice to be back after the long weekend. Yeah, and yours was, uh, yours was good. We talked a little bit about barbecue. Yeah. We talked about traditions and all that kind of stuff on the last pod. Yeah, it was good. Nice and relaxing finished it off with a flat tire but uh yeah everything else was uh everything else was great uh i did i was mentioning to you i got a lot of emails and text messages about the uh it, the segment i guess we did on uh smoking and about cooking meat and that kind of thing as part of the long weekend uh, and i sent you a picture over the long weekend yeah, yeah. of my actual smoker because you were saying it's the down and dirty ones that are really the ones you want to make food on and have food come off of uh, my, and I noticed even when I looked at the picture afterwards, I'm like, man, I, I could have cleaned it up a little bit. It looked no. filthy. No, it was just nasty. But the brisket that came off of it, I was up at five o'clock in the morning. I pulled that thing off at two Oh four. It was ready to rock and roll and it rested for yeah. an hour. Uh, I put it in the cooler, had the nice wrap on it and whatnot. And it came out perfectly. But, uh, what, what were your thoughts when you saw the picture I sent? That's what I thought, to be honest, that's what I thought it was going to look like. Okay. Um, that's what I was hoping it was going to look like um historically anything that i've seen that looks like that usually creates the best food um i mean obviously we harped on the traegers last time it's like set it forget it subpar food comes out and really anybody that wants to put that much effort into cooking they're probably happy with the traeger product with what you're with what you're doing and with what pe normal people not normal people but i guess enthusiasts are doing um from a smoking perspective yeah if it looks like a beat up contraption that's got been to hell and back it's probably been cooked in a lot. It's probably dialed in, and it's probably producing some pretty damn good barbecue. Um, so I'd prefer my uh, I'd prefer my smoker to look like uh, look like what you sent. If I could have sent you some, I, I would have because I was pretty proud of it. Yeah. It was one of those things where I looked and like two fifty. If you're somebody who's into smoking, two fifty is your sweet spot, right? That's where you're getting the nice smoke. Yeah, yeah. It stayed at two fifty all day, just all day. I looked outside really? and I'm like, oh, look at you, look at you, Mister Smoke. You're just yeah, doing your I made, thing. Yeah, I actually had some people over on Saturday. Um, and I went to the butcher shop, no Sunday. And I went to the butcher shop and they had a five, uh, picanha, which was great. Very nice. I grill it and I fucking cut it against the grain. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Had you had it cocktails? Were you having cocktails? Is that why? I was just, I just wasn't paying attention. Like I made like a whole, I literally was making like every, I was going from my, like my kitchen to the grill. Like I had everything at once. I made like shrimp with like these arepas and then like a whole snapper with like fennel Beauty. and like a bunch of other sauces. And then I go to cut the picanha. We sit down and I, I had strips as well. The strips were like perfect, but I go to cut, I cut the picanha. It looks beautiful. I had like a black garlic butter that was on top Ooh. of it. Go to bite into it. And I look at my buddy, one of my best friends, Josh, who comes over whenever I cook. I'm like, motherfucker, I just cut this thing the exact wrong way against the grain. And it was honestly like leather, Ugh. like just you couldn't, it was cooked perfect. But as far as the grain goes, it was just completely against it. And with the picanha, you can't do that. Otherwise no. you're screwed. No. Um, so basically wasted a, uh, 
really really nice piece of beef everyone still ate it and said it tasted good which i was like they were lying to you yeah i was like you don't have to lie like you guys usually get the invite regardless um there's no reason to pander um pander to me but yeah i cut it completely wrong yeah these things which i've never done before other than yeah. that, a good weekend all in all, other than the flat tire yeah, and yeah. the uh, miscut picanha, which sounds like a really bad yeah. cookbook. Uh, let's start, you know, speaking against the grain, a lot of people would describe crypto investment as those who go against the grain. Uh, just a little update as to where we stand with things, because I know we talked about it a week, maybe two weeks ago. Uh, now, we've, you know, the mainstream yeah. media is just flooded with headlines, crypto winter this, crypto winter that. Uh, I noticed there yeah. are some smart companies out there that are actually, you know, doubling down, reinvesting. You look at a company like WonderFi, for example, uh, being very bullish in the market, taking on companies that uh, might be struggling during the so-called crypto winter. Where do we where do we see things uh, from your point of view as to where we are and, and where we're headed? We got a lot of ways to go. Uh, we got a lot of ways to go. Um, I mean, liquidity is completely dried up with NFTs. Um, not a lot of stuff is trading uh bitcoin and ethereum are trading sideways there's chop um there's regulatory stuff looming you had celsius BlockFi, 3ac like a lot of insolvency um around the sector and a lot of contagion um that being said there's still money flying into the early stage venture stuff um there's still constructive conversations around it for people that are actually into it um but it's a really easy target for the media right now like Jim Cramer comes on TV today and he's like, yeah, so crypto goes from three trillion to one trillion. Apparently there's no value there. Um, the markets, the, the market's obviously telling you that. I want to be like, dude, look at your stocks that are down 90% that you uh, told your audience to buy on his show on CNBC. Let's talk about Peloton. Let's talk about some of the other stocks that you're in that are down 70 80 90 percent i mean sure the total value of crypto is down 62 thirds um it's it's done it before um i mean it's it's probably it's going to be rough um it's going to be a rough couple quarters um it's getting kicked when it's down which i mean is expected um is it a deflection it tactic though do you think the media is using it sort of to say you know, we really don't want to talk about what's going on on the you know Wall Street, so we want to really just kind of dig into something that's a great deflection, a great distraction. Yeah. So we don't have to get there. Yeah, I mean, put get put people's attention elsewhere. Um, I mean, the media does it with with a bunch of other things outside sure. of the financial markets that we're not going to get into. Um, but I mean, it's uh, yeah, it's 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 an easy target. I mean, they don't want to talk about how Wall Street has gotten decimated. They don't want to talk about how mortgage rates are down. They don't want to talk about how rates are going up. Um, how inflation is just killing people. Um, talk about how crypto just lost a bunch of people a lot of money, and it's a really easy target. Yeah, it, it really is. Uh, we're going to keep an eye on things and not talk about it in the mainstream media sense as we go. But uh, another easy target that, well, I guess it's not so easy when you're Kevin Durant uh, to be acquired. But, I mean, he's got all the, the chips sort of in his court. Uh, the star of... of I guess he's like, I was going to call him the star of the Brooklyn Nets. He really hasn't been the star of the Brooklyn Nets. I guess by elimination he's the star of the brooklyn nets currently uh but he is of course looking for a trade uh this puts us in a pitched battle because the toronto raptors they saw their odds go from plus 800 to plus 250 almost overnight you're already shaking your head uh there are other teams in the mix the phoenix suns are the favorite at minus 140 but i hear the brooklyn nets are not interested in bridges nate and they don't want that package uh we can get to the miami no. heat they're at plus 1200 right now I don't see I don't see Kevin Durant going back to Brooklyn, which was one of the rumors out there. I know a lot of the Golden State Warriors no. uh, teammates, uh, former teammates, were calling Kevin Durant. 
Where? Why are you shaking your head, and where do you see this going? You can go first on this. Well, okay, so first of all, Toronto. There's no way you get Kevin Durant without trading Scotty Barnes. Zero percent chance. That's not true. That's like, not true. You don't think... Who else are you going to give? Give him Pascal. What, what give him Pascal Siakam. Give him OG Ananobi, I mean, which a lot of teams cover. Wait a minute. You're thinking... You're thinking that they'd rather have those two versus Aiton and Bridges? Yeah, I do. And 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 I, you get picks. Have, Remember, you've got Raptors have seven first round picks. That's what really sweetens the pot for any team, and that's not a that's not something yeah. Phoenix can provide. No, I mean I, I've I, I've I was thinking that, and I've been reading some stuff. Like, there's no way people have been saying that there's no way that that gets done unless Scotty's involved. Um, which I don't know if I'd give up Scotty, even if it's for KD. Well, the the other part um, is it's contingent. The... KD's basically said, I'm not coming up there unless Scotty's there. So you'd be fucked either way. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's what yeah. I was saying. It's a catch. It's kind of a catch-22. Right. Uh, Miami, I don't think they have enough pieces. Um, we'd have to take Simmons um, in the trade. And then I don't really know if you want KD coming down here, if it's not going to be KD, Bam, and Jimmy um, with, like, Depot and everybody else. But I'd like to unload, like, Lowry, Hero, Duncan, and draft picks like to get rid of all my shit is basically what you said yeah 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 take 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 well i mean i think tyler's got i think tyler's got a tremendous ceiling i mean i think tyler really can be a clay in the league he's still young he's still developing this is his first contract that he's going to get paid he's going to start next year um i think he really turns the corner i'd prefer not to get rid of him but i mean if it's for someone like kevin durant he's gone um i'd pretty much give up anybody uh, to, to, to get KD. Um, but I really don't think it, I, I, I don't see a deal getting done. Like I really just, I don't know where this is going to go. I feel like it's a lot of talk, but I feel like it's so convoluted and just so like heavy in what the nets are going to ask that there's really no one out there that can just say, Hey, all right, well, let's get it done. Um, the Raptors could be interesting. You got this guy's done this before. This is what people don't recognize. Everybody had these conversations with Kawhi Leonard when that was a thing. And everybody was saying, well, there's no way the Raptors get him because, you know, first of all, no one wants to move to Toronto, which I completely disagree with because it's my own But does it make you... Does KD make you a contender? I think the triple threat of Scotty Barnes, who's now in full workout mode and muscle mode over the summer, uh, Fred Van Vliet, who's still a, a, a good player, a solid, solid piece... And Kevin Durant as a as an ecosystem. Plus, they just got Otto Porter Jr. a couple of days ago. That's one hell of a lineup that the Raptors would be putting on. And I would suggest it would probably make them, I don't want to say favorite because Giannis is still in the East. I would say make the Raptors second favorite to win the East. No way. Miami's still a better team with that lineup. Oh, we'd smoke Miami. What are you talking about? What are you no talking way. about? Scotty's a second-year player. Van Vliet's like a Jalen Brunson. I think that's right. I think that's rather like, unfair, but that okay. Not, I I would argue that I would argue that as good as Kevin Durant is, the Hawks arguably would probably oh, still have a better roster than you top to bottom. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's, Kevin I mean, Durant they would. makes any team a legitimate title contender, one hundred percent. But you just said the second best team in the second best team in the yeah, East. Well, that makes them a legitimate title. I mean, contender. they got waxed. They got waxed with. I don't think they they'd be a top. I, I think they'd probably be a top five, and they'd be five or in the four East with 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 KD. Yeah, I think you're full of shit. To be honest, Boston, mm-hmm. Boston. Well, Boston. What, what Boston? Boston is Boston. Just got Brogdon. Boston just got Brogdon, and who else was it? They, they got better. 
Boston just got better. Yeah, I just don't trust that at the end of it all, you're going to see Boston looking like they do right now. They're going to find a way to screw that up, as they did this year, right? Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. I think Scotty is – his ceiling is way higher than anyone I just named. Hero, Bam. I think Scotty could be a superstar in the league. But I think K- taking KD, putting him on that team, and saying that KD, Van Vliet, and Barnes make them a number two – is is a stretch and i like scotty like i want to but see you scotty also have win. to factor in like i would like to you see- have to ha- you have to factor in uh nick nurse who's probably one of the best coaches in the nba i probably put him in top three uh when it comes to developing talent yeah i'm not gonna argue 100 strategizing 100%. he might be yeah, the best and, coach. And look at the look at the team when Ka- uh, Kawhi leonard came up here it wasn't exactly a blow you away so it was lowry it was Kawhi leonard you had pascal you had a couple of other pieces. You know, we still have Gary Trent, for example, who's, I think, a phenomenal player. There's a lot going on with the Toronto Raptors that I don't think people see. But the, I'd also say this. The Kawhi that you guys got is better than the KD that you'd be getting I right now. I can't argue that statement. I wish I could argue that statement. 100%. I, that statement. I would take the Kawhi that you guys got, I would take 10 times out of 10. And I love Kevin Durant. I would take the Kawhi that you guys had 10 times out of 10 over the KD that you're going to inherit and in the tra- could inherit in the trade. All right. Fair enough. We're going to leave it at that. We're going to see where the rest I of this I love Kawhi. When Kawhi's healthy, when Kawhi's healthy, I'm taking him over. You should you, you just should have anybody. led with that point. You should have just said, you know, the, the Kevin Durant you're about to get is going to be way worse than the Kawhi you got. And I was would have had to, I would have had to back he, down. I, I would have had to back though. down. But now here we are. Yeah. Uh yeah. all right. What do we do and cuz this is a big business story just as much as it is uh, a football story, and you know me and and, and Anthony, you, we like to talk about football as much as we can. USC and UCLA uh, now moving to the Big Ten. Um, listen, I think that when you talk, go I, ahead. Oof. I don't. Like I this don't like all. this at all either. I don't. You go keep, keep keep going, but I mean, I was actually the perspective that I heard on Saturday really made sense. Lincoln Riley went to USC to be in California to have like a more relaxed lifestyle. Now he's got to take those SoCal boys to Michigan and in the Ohio, winter and Ohio State in the winter. I don't, why would they, I mean, money talks, but I mean, you're honestly taking money at the collegiate level, at the school level to the detriment of your players and putting them into an environment that they so, don't want to play in. If I'm recruiting, I'm taking that into consideration if I'm a kid. Like nobody wants to play football in that weather. No one like not nobody. not only that it sucks. Especially coming I think from it SoCal. does help the current Big Ten teams, the programs you mentioned, so Michigan, you know, even Michigan State to a degree, Penn State, Ohio State. Um, I think it helps them with recruiting because it's yeah. going to expose them to you know kids who might want to still have those California roots. Okay, I get home a couple of times a year. Those are on the schedule. Uh, that's probably going to yeah, help yeah. that you can get back to the sunshine a little bit. I think this is largely driven by NIL. I think that when we have a situation now where these schools realize big-time talent and big-time rivalries are what sells, those small games that provide the upsets, that provide the entertainment, aren't what people are coming to the game for, I think that's what what they've recognized. I don't think it's true, though. Uh, I like, you know, maybe I'm going to sound like an old traditionalist. I want the Big Ten to be what the Big Ten always was, and I want that to be a rigid. And I know I'm the guy who argues against being rigid. In this case, I'm I'm pro-rigid. The Big Ten should always be the same ten fucking yeah. teams. The Pac-12 should be the same t- twelve fucking teams. Yeah. What like? Pac-12 I, I don't want some good. sort of like decoder ring to but, figure out but, who's playing who and who's in what conference anymore. I think no. this is dangerous for them. No, no, no. 
No, I don't like it at all. And to be honest, like Pac-12 football is good. Like USC, UCLA, Cal, Oregon, Oregon State, Hawaii. Like those are still good games. Like those are really good games out there. I don't want to, if I'm USC, I don't want to be in the Big Ten. Like I don't want anything to do with it. Like let them, I think the conference stuff is getting too crazy. And you've got what, Texas and Oklahoma yeah. now in the SEC? Um, starting, it's not this year, it's 2024. Um, yeah, I think it is I this think, year, or is it 2022, this year? 2023 season, that they, yeah. That they start, yeah, I mean, the whole conference thing has just gotten so convoluted because it's money-driven um, right now that it's just it's just getting out of whack. It was great when it was like the East, mid, uh, Midwest, West, everyone kind of falls in line. You have a couple outliers, but everyone kind of has their own lane. Now it's just like, hey, pay me, we're coming, and yeah, we'll figure and it out. At the same time, what does it do to the conferences or the teams, rather, that are left behind in conferences like what is now the old school Pac-12 to pick up the pieces? Like, who's Stanford, well, Oregon State's kicking around? Like, yeah. They're good programs, but they're made better by the competition level that they have in front of them. These are now junior conferences. Oh, 100%. 100%. I mean, you could say Stanford, Oregon. I guess Stanford, Oregon, Oregon State. Cal, I mean, Cal sucks. Cal was good like 10 years ago, but they haven't a good sense. Um, Stanford sucks too now. I don't know. It's, I think it's bad. I think it's bad. It's net, net, net. It's, you also uh, it's have a, a situation where the switch has piqued Apple's right uh, interest in gaining some rights to the conference itself to, to at least uh, broadcast. And according to CBS, the remaining members uh, yeah. you know, of this would stay in their original TV contracts. But once those contracts open up, Anthony, uh, you're going to know that a Apple wants a big piece of it. And when you see this kind of heavyweight power all move into one conference, you know that there's going to be a heavyweight player in the game when it comes to media wanting the broadcast rights. And I understand why Apple yeah. wants to do that. Yeah, I mean, I think I think eventually you're going to see sports be bought up by the streamers. Um, I think that they're going to become the new media companies. They're going to either probably get bought or buy the terrestrial uh, media companies and the traditional media companies. And you start to see Amazon, YouTube, Apple, uh, Hulu, Netflix. They all start to buy up these rights um, of the sports leagues. And then start you start to see it on there. Maybe all with the exception of like the NFL because they're just married to Fox um, for God knows how long. But I think sports really does go into streaming versus... Uh, well, you look at the Diamonds Holding cable. Group. They're planning a major marketing push for Bally Sports Plus, which is tied to Major League Baseball, a number of teams. This yeah. is all direct-to-consumer. This is cutting out the middleman, saying, fuck you to the cable companies. You've gouged us yeah. way too long. Um, I don't know. You know, The show is not obviously about cable, but where do the cable companies go from there? Because this is the only thing they have left would you not see them kind of just shriveling up on the vine and just going back to either telecom or to you know communication side of things with telephones and cellular plans and data plans and just giving this all up entirely? I think, I think they just die to be honest. I mean, I think that they're going to, they're going to people, these tech companies will probably buy them for their networks and their consumer bases. And then they'll just get rolled in and, and forgot about, I mean, not a lot of people talk about, I mean, I'm probably biased because I don't live in this world, but like, Viacom. Um, what are some of the other like Fox Media? Like you don't really hear Cox too much cable. about these like old school Cox. Yeah, Cox Rogers. Um, like these are all just like monoliths um, from like the original days of like cable and like media, and they haven't really evolved because they haven't had to um, until now. Uh, but I think streamers come in and just eat everything um, as long as much as they can, um, especially and, and with sports. 
I mean, I, I don't have cable anymore. I don't know anyone that has cable anymore. So you have nothing. Um, so, no, I've got Hulu TV. And how is that for sports? I've got, uh, it's good. I mean, the only thing that sucks is, is when I bought Hulu TV, they stopped their relationship with Fox Sports, um, which was now Bally Sports. So I don't get the regular season heat games. And now could um, could you get those somewhere else if you needed to? And I'm sure you, you've figured this out somehow. Uh, yeah, I'd have to buy like NBA. I'd right. have to buy like NBA season pass. Um, I haven't done it yet. I really just don't watch that much regular season sports. Um, and then the heat are on TNT every once in a while. So, I mean, I'll watch it there. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the only thing aside from that. Everything is, I don't really watch so much TV anyway. I that's watch news and that's it. Everything else I'm watching is Netflix, Amazon, Hulu. That explains your streaming earlier opinion apps. of the Miami Heat. You just haven't watched enough games yet. <laughs> yeah, we'll see what happens next year. Vantage uh, Market Research, they did an analysis of the global sports betting market. This is actually pretty interesting. They're finding that the increasing, and it ties right into what we were talking about, that the increasing technological advancement and innovation are expediting market growth. They look at this and figure out uh, the fact that the sports betting market, I had the number in front of me, is going to get to $129.3 billion in the next six years. Uh, that's a pretty big chunk of change. The report talks a lot about how uh, tech has yep. gone even faster than the analysts had assumed in this space, and that that's really what's driving this, that the, the people who are, are doing the business and who are the back end of it are making this work, and it's working really well. Oh, yeah, I think it's going to continue to work really well, and it's going to continue to just keep uh, generate that flywheel of just revenue for these companies. Um, the tech is going to get savvier. The tech is going to get stickier. Um, and they're going to figure out more ways to be pulling revenue out of each consumer that's in their platform. Um, I've got no doubt that they'll probably that's, hit and exceed a, these numbers. That's, that's um, huge, next, though, when you think about it, because the sports betting market was rough, worth roughly $74 billion in 2021. That's just last year. Now you're telling me there's, what, $40, $45 billion more in a seven-year stretch? That's huge. Yeah. You get more, mar I mean, you'll get more markets coming online. You'll get more betting lines coming online. You get more, like I said, way more ways to monetize the consumer. Um, unless we go into some crazy recession and just the everything just blows up um, and people stop spending money. Because, I mean, this really, sh I mean, it should be discretional um, income that people are allocating towards this, not any kind of like rent payments and or like uh, yeah. income generating. Yeah, an income generating vehicle. Um, so, I mean, if it's, if you're taking a thesis of, yeah, this is a primarily discretionary barring some sort of financial catastrophe or some sort of crazy recession, I mean, they should. Now, what do you think that means? <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to preface this by saying in normal times, not with the markets, the way they are now, but what do you suggest that that would mean? And again, this yeah. is not investment advice for the sports wagering companies themselves, the stocks themselves, or even the tech companies themselves that are driving a lot of this. Yeah, I mean, that would say that you're probably in a pretty good wheelhouse right now to be starting to pick up some of those stocks. Um, you're starting to, you're in a good, you're in a good range to start picking up some positions, start to pick up some names that you're bullish on and, and create that position going into the future to create future value. Um, they've gotten killed. Um, they've all gotten killed. Um, so why they want to talk about crypto. Let's talk about sports wagering stocks or uh, tech stocks in general, um, which I mean, they're grouped into, um, obviously. But I mean, yeah, it's, it would say that if you're, but if you're uh, banking on that thesis and you're looking at that kind of growth um, in the market, those stocks would be a pretty damn good buy right now.
I found this pretty amusing, and I kind of sent this to you in, in the notes that I sent. I was like, really, they're doing this now? Because I think you and I, when we started the show back in February, we've talked about this no short of five times on the show. Uh, a bipartisan group from Congress yeah. has called upon the DOJ to increase scrutiny and prosecution of illegal offshore sports books at the same time that regulated sports wagering operators continue to expand their reach across the U.S. Okay, this is, first of all, the sports book started to land yeah. legally in the United States years ago. You know, this isn't a Canada situation. Yeah. We're talking four years now since Paps, uh, PASPA was struck down by the U.S. Supreme Court. What the yeah. fuck are they waiting for? Are, they, at some point, I have to think the lawmakers are in bed with the offshores because how do you, how they hard are. could this be? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's just, it's just banter um, at this point. Like, it's, it's, it's laughable. I mean, it, it really is laughable. Like they could shut them down with the flip of a switch if they really wanted to um, just block them off from from leveraging any of those IPs on U.S. soil and, and bam, they're gone. Um, it's not very hard to do. It's a flip of a um, switch. I don't think it really needs it. Yeah, yeah. I don't really think it needs to be a DOJ inquiry. I mean, just like everything, they make it more difficult than they need to. Um, but yeah, it's it's long time coming. I think it's it'll still be part of it. And it's probably a function of DraftKings. FanDuel, et cetera, starting to put those lobbying dollars to work and getting the conversation moving in that direction. The other lobbying dollars they're putting to work is in the state of California, where this is now a pitched battle. You're going to have two ballot initiatives in front of Californians coming up in the fall. Uh, one from Native Americans, one from the big corporations behind sports wagering. Uh, there's a $100 million, $100 million lobbying fund that has been built Uh against the native american tribes i understand the native american tribes have fought back they've got some pretty heavy hitters behind them as well uh, i'll break it down they got a lot of they've got a lot of money behind them the ads apparently in california are just you know how the well you watch them you don't watch american television but you you, you know what i'm talking about uh or at least not yeah. through a cable company they've got these ads running almost consecutively like this is why Bally, why DraftKings is bad this is why FanDuel is bad and then oh yeah you've got the other side saying you know the native american group would have this happen uh, the Native Americans basically just want sports wagering to happen at their casinos and at racetracks. That's the crux of their ballot yeah. question. Obviously, the other side wants it to be more open, more free, like you see in other states. Is there a chance that Californians, being as wacky as they are, walk into the polls in November and say, you know, I'm okay with it just sitting at casinos and racetracks. I don't need it all. You know, I don't need it on my phone. I don't need it everywhere. I wouldn't put it past them. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past them, but I don't understand why. Um, I mean, it doesn't need to be this like cigarettes in Florida used to be like, on, like at uh, Indian casinos with and gambling as well. Um, gambling still uh, pr predominantly on Indian on Indian reservations um, in South Florida. I mean, I don't think I don't think the California ballot will pass it, but like I said, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, but it doesn't need to be. Just put it on an app, get it out there let it be and just let it rip. I also don't understand the idea of having, I, I think it's fairly confusing. At least I know voters up here would be confused by it. We don't typically have ballot questions when we go to the electoral box, but the idea of having two, yeah. I don't want to say similar, but two sports betting related questions in front of a voter can be kind of tricky at times. No. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the point. The point of it is to cause confusion to yeah. an extent. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if that's the reason they put both of them on there. Yeah, just so, just so maybe both get voted down and they just deal with the status quo yeah, yeah. and say, well, this is what the people wanted. Yeah, then they get to mandate what they yeah. want. Uh, I put this on the uh, on the menu for today just to end with because I know uh, this has a lot to do with your other world outside of talking to me a couple of times a week. The 
$26.1 billion sports memorabilia market is expected. And this is actually, you know, you talk about climbing in numbers. Yeah, I don't know. It's expected to climb to yeah. $200 billion by 2032. That's according to Market Decipher. Uh, that's a just eye-popping number. Got to make a guy like you who's in that world somewhat pleased. Yeah, I mean, it's it's good um i mean i know what they're i know what they're counting in here they're counting all the digital collectibles such as like top shot such as like what we're doing with only gems um fanatics um creating more of a, a pipeline and i guess an ecosystem for memorabilia um and i mean that's really why one of the re really driving forces that we got into the space um sports memorabilia and collectibles is surging um bringing them on chain and creating a digital fan experience is something every team's going to do it's something every player's going to do um, and it's obviously going to reflect in the numbers. I mean, I think a 10x or 9x growth in uh, in the next 10 years would be awesome. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's it's yeah, uh, that's it's kind of crazy. But I mean, yeah, when you when you calculate in like Top Shot, UFC, um, whatever the hell their thing is, NFL all day, every league is going to have a digital collectibles um ecosystem every league is going to probably then have a physical collectibles ecosystem um that'll be on fanatics and just drive home what they're doing now and i mean it's it, people love this shit like people love collecting they love sports um they love getting uh it's investing in players right. um so like scotty barnes for instance like we were talking about like jalen brunson um people right now are like buying up their stuff or oh they're that's what i wanted to ask piece. you about that not to interrupt but that, yeah. that kid for the pittsburgh pirates that shortstop he's six foot seven his stuff must be Which going one? like crazy. Oh, um, I can't think of his name now. Uh, I forget his name. Baseball's nuts. Baseball's really nuts um, because people start buying their stuff in like double and triple A um, and like getting super speculative. Um, but yeah, I mean, Onel baseball Cruz. players, their stuff surges. Yes. Okay. So baseball is funny because not funny, but it's a different animal because baseball will go very fast to the upside. And it also goes very, very fast to the downside. Um, you could get a guy that's it's, it's because if these guys, if these guys start to slump or they go back right. down, um, to triple a, um, it's, it's, it's like a, a bomb goes off, um, in their market. Um, and then you got a lot of guys in baseball that start to like corner markets. So they'll get a guy and buy like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of his cards, um, to kind of control the market, uh, per se. So, I mean, baseball is really interesting, especially when you look at it online and what happens with, like, the bidding and uh, just the normal action around That's the players. Wild. Yeah, NFT sports collectibles, according to this report, individually estimated at $1.4 yeah. right now, forecast to get to $92 billion in 10 years. Well, that's why we're Good doing what you, we're doing. Sir. I can't wait to come to your yacht. Yeah. Will, will you make me serve brisket on nice. your yacht? Is that how that's going to work? I'm fine. I'll work for it. I'll have a smoke. I'll have a smokehouse. On the yacht. I'll have a smokehouse built right in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anthony, always a pleasure, yeah, my friend, even when you're wrong about the Raptors. Yeah, it's been good. Let's see what happens Sounds next good. year. Subscribe to Guaranteed Money wherever you get your podcasts and find out more details at thedalesreport.com. Don't forget also to check out our YouTube channel for more content.